0: hey everyone welcome to lady overlander radio tonight we're speaking with ariana dufour stay tuned grab your favorite drink whether it's a coffee cocktail or tea and get ready it's ladies night on lady overlander radio Lady Overlander Radio is brought to you by Artemis Overland Hardware, Midland Radio, Timbo Tusk, U.S. Action Tracks, The Moor Expo, and Adventure Trail RV, creator of the Overland Shower. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl.
1: Hey. How
0: you doing, Arla?
1: Doing. How you doing?
0: I'm doing good. How's your knee? <clears throat> oh, that's no good. so next Wednesday. Be good, Tom.
1: Boo! It's too hot to wear already,
0: it, right? right? Cut it just off, above cut it off
1: man. <laughs> I don't know. That's not fun. Mm-mm. Are you sitting outside in the Indiana sun today?
0: I am. It's a little warm. It's a little warm, but yeah. it's. I'm hoping it cools down a little bit as the sunset. It's so pretty here. It's like we're right on the lake, and it's just mm-hmm. it's just gorgeous. I love it. But it, there's still humidity, so got to deal with that makes your hair curlier oh yeah it's very curly today <laughs> so tonight we're talking to ariana how are you doing ariana hey i'm doing great thanks for having me and i see you have your babies one of your baby's tails went by behind i you. know yeah you're <laughs> definitely going to be seeing the fluff
1: just kind of going back and forth so yeah i've got the two babies the two border collies
0: oh that's so awesome i love dogs they're the best I miss Arla's dogs a lot. They're, they're my, they were my buddies while I was there for a month.
1: They were sad a couple of days, legitimately mopey.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's because I they snuck on were... treats when you were at work. I knew it. <laughs> That's why Sadie started losing her girlish figure. Oh yeah. <laughs> so why don't you give us a little bit of background on yourself, Ariana? Tell us a little bit about where you came from and where you're at now. Sure. Um, so I am originally from Colorado, uh, Grew
1: up on the southeastern plains, uh, more so towards Kansas, so not the mountain girl that most people would assume I am, but grew up out there and had kind of an outdoorsy dad who always would drag me out to the prairie, and so that kind of ended up carrying over into uh, my life now, but now I live in Salt Lake City area in Utah, Mm -hmm. and I've been here for Uh, a little over a year now and really enjoying it. That was actually a little gift from COVID because now I get to work remote and uh, figured it was time for something new. So pieced out of Colorado and decided to test my luck in Utah.
0: And that's, that's kind of funny because a lot of people don't really piece out of Colorado. Like they want to go to Colorado as much as possible.
1: Yeah. And I, you know,
0: I've seen, you know, we've been overlanding full time for about two years now and, you know, at, over the past two years since we've been doing it, I've just seen more and more and more people just integrating into Colorado, moving there or camping there more, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it's getting a little crowded. It it
1: was, yeah. And I mean, Colorado will always be home. I still have quite a bit of family there. And so I've had some people tell me, you know, gosh, you go back to Colorado a lot. And I'm like, well, my family's still there. So yeah, <laughs> Um yeah. But, but yeah, definitely Colorado itself uh, is changing and, you know, you can either be kind of like the salty Coloradan about it, or you can just kind of accept it for what it is. And uh, I, I enjoyed it. The off-roading and overlanding community in Colorado specifically, I feel is really great. Everybody's very friendly, especially to newcomers and Mm -hmm. because I specifically uh, haven't been doing this for that long like I said I grew up in a family where I you know went camping with my dad and we would go out and wander on the prairie and whatnot but we didn't modify vehicles or do any of the you know off-roading or certainly not the overlanding kind of stuff and so really I've only been in this for the last few years and I made a lot of friends in Colorado that I still talk to very frequently and now coming into Utah Utah is great. Colorado is beautiful, but Utah is also great because a couple hours north I'm into Idaho, like south yeah. I go to Moab, you know, Nevada's to the west and then back to Colorado to the east and there's mountain ranges right outside of Salt Lake. So it's, if you're outdoorsy, it's really nice here.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. By the way, that's, Kelly Letourneau's wife <laughs> walking behind me. I was she's wondering, I was like, Ooh. Kelly's with Wample Overland. She's walking by. I'm at their house right now. So um, she's just trying to sneak by. But yeah, <laughs> I, I really, really like Utah. Um, I really, there's not a ton of places to camp right around Salt Lake City. You kind of have to go out. I remember that from when we were yeah. staying there. Um, <laughs> but there's just some really, really cool places up in the mountains you know yeah where you can yeah you you can hit and it's so pretty there
1: yeah yeah i really that's what i enjoyed when i first came to the salt lake area just to visit uh the wasatch front is you know right and the wasatch mountain range is right there i mean even more so than i i lived in denver for seven years yeah and it always uh it never kind of ceases to be kind of funny how people would visit Denver and say like I thought Denver was in the mountains and I'm like well it's not vale like <laughs> it's <laughs> still a city and then there's mountains but you gotta go but Salt Lake the mountains are like right here and um one of the places that people really love to go to kind of try to escape the heat is the Uinta Mountains which are just a little farther uh to the northeast and the Uintas are great and for me they kind of feel similar to the mountain ranges in Colorado that I'm used to. Uh, But there's actually a lot more like small lakes and bodies of water, which is always fun. So, oh, yeah, I really enjoy going up there.
0: I don't remember the name of the creek that we camped on in in Utah, but it was so it was a very swift moving creek, but it was very, very shallow. And there was like a probably a 10 foot little not, not huge, but a 10 foot little cliff that dropped off the side. And it was so neat because you could camp right up there on the little edge of the cliff and hear the water at night rushing by. And it was oh, just wow. so peaceful. Yeah. But.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of little hidden gems for sure. So, and as you know, as you make friends, you get introduced to those yeah. spots for sure, which is really cool. And, and I love um, finding hot springs at too and going oh, to yeah. hot springs. Like yeah. I know that's something that most people <laughs> enjoy. Um, it's always fun to find the ones that aren't quite as busy, though, because it's the ones that, like, you'll just see all over Instagram or Google or whatnot, and it's almost impossible to get alone time at those ones, but when you can find the really off-the-beaten-path ones, those are something special.
0: Oh, yeah, and uh, my husband and my son were just out there, and they went through some of the slot canyons in southern Utah, and just, you know, that whole, like, near canyon lands and all of that southern area, like, we love 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 valley of the gods area that's yes. kind of south of moab mm-hmm. and just it's so pretty there you know yeah and i love that it's not super super crowded and that's one of the things we really like about wyoming mm-hmm. and idaho as well yeah. So. yeah
1: yeah i uh last year coming back home from overland expo west and flagstaff uh I think I left right after we closed up shop at the expo, knowing that I wasn't going to get all the way to Salt Lake.
0: Uh And
1: I was like, you know, I'll find somewhere part of the way up and I'll just stop and camp and wake up in the morning and continue. And I ended up uh, finding one of our trails for trails off-road that we had mapped that had camping marked on it. And I was like, okay, this is going to be it. And because it had some good pictures and I was like, oh, this looks like it'll be really pretty. But it was pitch black when I got there and uh, you know I'm just going down this dirt road in the middle of the desert in the pitch yeah. darkness and I'm like well oh, I hope there's not a canyon here because I'm gonna fall off and die. What could go wrong? Yeah, <laughs> I know and I didn't have my dogs <laughs> it was just me um, mm-hmm. and uh, but anyways so I, I found a spot and made camp for the night went to bed and I woke up in the morning and had the most incredible views like it was what you hope for every time you go somewhere and, um, and I came to realize that the area I was in was just outside of Valley of the Gods proper. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I just, I woke up and, you know, there's just these giant red stone plateaus all around me. And I was just like, oh my gosh, this wow. is amazing. And yeah, then there wasn't many people out there because I think that would have been like a Monday morning after Expo ended. So I, yeah, yeah that's on my list for spending a lot more time down there.
0: Oh yeah, I definitely recommend it. It's one of our favorite places and we kind of just happened upon it by accident. We were looking at going back up into Colorado um, because we we have a cabin in Arizona. So we were just going to go up through Utah into Colorado and we came across that and we're like, oh my God, I'm so glad that we took the time to come through here and camp here and Mm -hmm. it was so pretty. Yeah. But yeah. so tell us a little bit about Gertie. Who's Gertie?
1: Yes. So, Dirty Gertie. Um, Gertie <laughs>
0: is my uh,
1: 2004 Lexus GX 470 that I am in the process of building out. Um, pre- previous to Gertie, I had a Jeep Renegade, a 2015 Jeep Renegade Latitude uh, that I built out and had a lot of fun with. And Kind of ended up getting to the point where i was maxed out on what i could do as far as modifying the renegade like there really wasn't a whole lot of options left Mm -hmm. um i had made a lot of friends in the toyota community and i was kind of tired of being the little renegade that could but amongst uh you know a lot of forerunners and tacomas and uh and i just i was i was ready for something a little more capable and with more room um So I started the search, and the Renegade was coming up on 100,000 miles as well. So, Mm. you know, value was only going to plummet from there. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Unlike a Toyota. (sighs) I know. (laughs) And I I did come to the market a little late, unfortunately. Um, I I started my search, and really what I kind of decided – but what I was trying to decide between was um, a Wrangler Rubicon because – Yes. why not? <laughs> um, well, one, because why not? And also because uh, for Trails Off-Road, our core team mostly runs Wranglers and a lot of Rubicon builds. Um, but so it's going to be a Wrangler Rubicon or a fourth gen 4Runner with a V8 was really mm-hmm. what I was looking at, which mm-hmm. then also put me into the, well, Alexis GX470 also has a V8 and some of those capabilities and is more comfortable built for luxury um and then i think i also was looking at it might have been like an lx 570 maybe i can't remember um but yeah so i kind of had you know my last kind of group of okay it's gonna be one of these and uh the rubicons the rubicons that were in my price range had the mileage was just too high on them i was like oh god i'm i'm gonna get maybe 50,000 miles out of this thing
0: probably more Um, than your renegade
1: yeah and and I uh I did go on some test drives and for me and my needs it's a lot of road trip miles like yes of course I'm getting out and I'm camping and wanting to run trails but I'm not trailering my rig to the trail I, I need to be comfortable and I I tend to go um pretty far like I'm still going to Colorado and I'm still going to the west coast and whatnot so test driving the Rubicons I was like this is it's loud and it's not very comfortable (laughs) for extended driving periods so um it was a little shaky there and then I test drove uh the GX 470 and I was like oh this is this Mm -hmm. my girl (laughs) they're nice yeah 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 But like i said i kind of came to the market a little late so i i certainly paid a premium and but even between then i got gertie back in november last november i think so i haven't even had her a full year yet and i definitely paid a premium but looking at what people are paying now for Mm -hmm. used gx's and and um and some of them with frames that are crumbling to bits it's it's wild so i'm glad i did it when i did Yeah. yeah but yeah
0: so yeah. what have you done and, to her so far?
1: Um, so so far, so she does have um, swapped out suspension. Uh, it's it wasn't something. It's kind of interesting. I definitely I got her from a dealer where you could tell they probably find things uh, at auction and they jazz it up a little bit and then they throw mm-hmm. it out onto the market. Oh yeah. And um, and I was like, all right. Well, some of the stuff that they did to her is at least good enough for me to give me some time to decide what I would like to do. Um, and the mileage couldn't be beaten. I got her with like 130,000 miles on her. Uh, timing belt had already been done, all this stuff. So, so she was already had some things done to her, one being the suspension. Um, funny enough, they put a Rough Country forerunner suspension on her. Oh, okay. um, yeah, <laughs> which is really interesting. Um, I'm sure some people will have uh, opinions on that,
0: but <laughs> it, it wasn't my choice. Um,
1: but uh, anyways, it's actually surprisingly comfortable. And the GX, most people know that the GX and the Forerunner share um, a platform and they're very, very similar. If not, something like they're the same. Um, so yeah, she's got a uh, rough country Forerunner suspension on her uh, 275 hand-cooked Dyna Pro AT tires. Uh, yeah. I did swap out, it's more of an aesthetic thing, but I did swap out the rear taillights for USR Auto LED mm-hmm. Prado-style taillights. Um, one of the first things I did, they had put some rickety like Amazon basket up on top of her crossbars, and I was like, that's, that's, that's garbage. Gone. Like, <laughs> <bye>. <laughs> um, So that got swapped out for a Rhino Pioneer, platform rhino rack pioneer platform um which has had its own learning curve because the slots run like front to back and yeah it's different yeah that's yeah. What I run. Mm-hmm. yeah um it's interesting it's sturdy as heck but it's been interesting for actually like mounting things including a tent so uh i originally was running a front runner featherlight tent which i had had on my renegade because it's literally like 96 pounds it's crazy oh, wow yeah um and i loved that tent but being more active and going camping and usually moving from spot to spot i wanted something hard shell so That got swapped out for a CVT mount hood. Um, And there are some interior mods too. There's some really cool vendors that are coming out and making uh, things like brackets and molly panels for the interior of the GX. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think I've got a couple things from Ohana Rig Supply specifically uh, that are really great and just finished up a set of drawers for the rear Um, and then have done a front and rear bumper chop just for some added clearance. So she's, I don't know. shes all kinds of stuff.
0: She's got all kinds of goodies. More coming. Yeah. Nice. <laughs>
1: so,
0: Very cool. She's fun. Clever. Yeah. I have a buddy who has a GX and he uh, he's done all kinds of mods to it. He's had it wrapped and everything. And we keep saying, okay, come on out on the trails with us. Come on. on. Oh. No, I'm not taking that out on the trails. Oh, I'm like, no. you gotta be kidding me. Like you've she's done so much of this. Yeah. Oh, it's too yeah. pretty. It's so I can't printy. do it. Yeah, I'm like, Come oh my on. goodness. Yeah, you are not a mole crawler no. guy, like.
1: <laughs> and and there's there's no reason to mall crawl the GXs. Like they have so much fun out on the trail. Like oh yeah, get out there for sure. But
0: yeah, that's hilarious. So, what's your favorite spot to camp in Utah? Oh, I mean, you don't have to, don't give Latin long, but you right. Know, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, drop crumbs.
0: I know. We all know how I feel about
1: that. Gosh, in Utah. I know, I'm really trying to think. That's kind of the hard, it's the hard thing. I'm going to say it's almost like a seasonal thing because if it's, if it's summer and it's hot as heck, then like I said, um, I'm not, know i'm not going down to moab i'm not touching that whole area so if it's going to be the summertime and i'm staying up north oh hello um (laughs) (laughs) sorry Uh, and other babies Um, for babies (laughs) if it's summertime then i'm going up uh into the uintas for sure um which you don't actually that's the nice thing you don't have to go that far uh, when I go up into the Uintas, I usually keep going past a little town called Camas. And there's a highway. And of course, I'm going to forget the name of the highway right now. But there's a highway that I think it, it closes seasonally. Uh, they don't maintain the actual paved highway during the winter time because it, it's so high up and it's just not worth plowing. But I think the highway technically takes you up into uh, Wyoming if you followed it all the way. But there's just so much camping up there. Um, and like I said, there's lots of little lakes up there, which is really nice. Because for me, when I'm camping, I'm, I'm camping because I want a view, you know, like yeah. I, I want to be surrounded by beautiful things and have a great time. So if I can camp by a body of water, that's even better. And I do like to take the boys paddle boarding with me. So Ooh. summertime is definitely going to be based around water. Uh, whereas if it's going to be not necessarily in the winter, but if it's going to be a little cooler, um, you re- obviously everybody loves Moab and Moab is phenomenal but even just going uh, to the kind of west of Moab and into west and north of Moab into like the Swell and the San Rafael Swell area there's an unlimited amount of land out there and still some of the most amazing views you'll ever see I am well like I'm not from Utah so I don't feel bad saying this I've never gone to any of the parks like to actually like to arches the and arches are, to all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I can't stand the idea of having to wait in line to go somewhere. And I've just, I've heard so many people that say like, Oh, we hiked to delicate arch at four thirty in the morning. And there was already 10 people there. And I'm like, that's insane. That that's is insane. Funny. And there's just so many other beautiful things to see in this state. I have no doubt that the parks obviously are phenomenal, but I don't have the patience for it.
0: And they are, but you have to go, so my husband and I joke around about the first, like, mile, mile and a half of most of the trails in, like, Arches or wherever. Mm -hmm. That's where you're going to see all the people that, like, parked their car. They'll walk out about a mile or so. They'll take some Mm -hmm. pictures, look at some stuff, and then they'll go right back to their car. Yeah. So you have to go, like, hike some of the more, you know, rougher trails and get way out in those kind of places in order to like really experience it with not without a lot of ton of you know a ton of people around right and that was the same thing with um with zion too so i mean they're both beautiful beautiful places i love them both um but you know a lot of it is you know a lot of people just stay right around those right you know that's the good thing I guess is that they don't really want to go too far out. So they go to go out and do their little pictures and they come back to their car and leave. Right. Uh, Right. But yeah, Yeah, there's so many. Yeah. And I mean the places we've been, there's so many amazing views and Arla's husband, Tony just went out there and met up with my husband and a few other people. And he Mm -hmm. even said he was in Utah. It's the first time he'd been to Utah. Mm -hmm. And he was just like, I was just like, blown away yeah yeah you know by the views and you don't have to be in a national park to see those amazing views yeah Yeah. not at all not at all yeah and i mean everybody um everybody that
1: talked to back home they're like you know oh there's so much blm land you can just pull over anywhere and i'm like okay well like
0: mm -hmm. no (laughs) but (laughs) anywhere but, but yeah
1: anywhere but yes the amount of um obviously blm specifically and and Publicly accessible land is is wild. I think technically Nevada actually has the most out of all the states. Is something that I was told, and I was like, that's because nobody (laughs) wants to live out there." Yeah. Um, (laughs) No, no offense to anybody from Nevada. Um, This is hot there. Yeah. Yeah, but but yeah, uh, definitely here in Utah. There's it's so easy to find somewhere to just go and explore and have fun.
0: Oh yeah. And I, I would say, second to you, or I would actually say before Utah, I would pick Wyoming because, again, yeah. tons and tons of public lands, not a lot of people. Love it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. what's funny is it's both of those are right next to Colorado. And like they're just like the unsung heroes, mm-hmm. you know, that don't really get a lot of attention paid to them. But that's okay by right. me because I know they're Lots amazing. <laughs> We're talking about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quit revealing the secret. Yeah.
0: Just forget what I said. So, <laughs> tell me a little bit about Dufour Art and Design. What is that? Yeah, so
1: um, Dufour Art and Design. I guess I didn't even include that kind of in my background about myself. Um, my so as far as you know what I do for work, my background is in uh, graphic design, kind of originally. But you know, I just generally would always call myself a designer. But I've done everything from identity and branding to web design and app design um, traditional advertising and kind of like just everything in between. Like I enjoy learning all these different things. And, uh, so I worked for a marketing agency, essentially ever since I got out of college and do for art and design was essentially my entity that I spun up to offer my services on a freelance basis. Mm Um, And originally, uh, I like to tell people, originally, I wanted to go to art school. When I was, you know, finishing high school, I wanted to go to an arts college. And my parents said, no, (laughs) absolutely not. Uh, They were always extremely supportive of me wanting to pursue a creative career, but just not eating cup of noodles. (laughs) So uh, I went to a business school instead and majored in marketing and self-taught as far as design. Is concerned, which at this at this point with YouTube and Skillshare and books mm-hmm. and everything, if you are artistic in any way or have an eye for design, there's no reason you can't self teach. Um, so so yeah, do for art and design is just me offering my creative services on a freelance basis uh, while I was working in a marketing
0: agency realm, and then
1: that segwayed into uh my position with trails off-road now
0: so tell us about trails cool. off-road what's your title yeah. and your position there um so my title is
1: director of marketing and design mm-hmm. um which is it just that fills my soul that makes me sounds so happy. very important yep <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> it sounds important um but uh but essentially it's kind of funny. I originally, so I've actually, I have been an avid user of Trails Off-Road's website for, I think almost four years now, Um, which the Trails Off-Road has been an entity. I I think the website was originally published back in 2013. Um, And so it's been around for quite a while actually, but uh, I've been, I had been using it for a few years and via my, just my own design skills. Sometimes designers enjoy just kind of coming up with wild ideas and throwing it out into the universe is like, hey, wouldn't this be fun? And so that's actually what I did is I had made a mock-up of an interface that was almost like Apple Maps, but it pulled in kind of some like trails off-road functionality, a little bit Apple Maps, a little bit of Gaia, and it was just this fictitious thing and I posted that to my design Instagram account, Do for Art and Design, and I tagged Trails Off Road. And funny enough, the founder Todd saw that, and they were in need of, of some help. Um, and he reached out to me and said, "Hey, you're a designer. Let's talk." Nice, and, very yeah, cool. Yeah, it's just definitely one of those things where, you know, like social media comes in for good and isn't like a terrible place. Uh, so so yeah, Todd uh, reached out to me and I had been helping them on a freelance basis for the uh, last maybe year and a half or so, something like that. And which was just fantastic to me, like to be able to help um, a brand that I felt passionate about a brand that I already used their product because it aligned with my own personal hobbies it was just that, that couldn't make me any happier. Um, and then now at this point trails off road is growing quite a bit and it just ended up working out for me to, uh, kind of reposition and go from freelance into a full-time position with them.
0: So That's amazing yeah it's a great story it's awesome to be able to take your graphic design background and your web design background and you know the off-road realm and kind of marry those together and find like almost like a dream job really yeah yeah i do i want to be
1: kind of cognizant of um you know i've had a few people kind of give me the warning of like don't don't burn yourself out sometimes when you take your passion and turn it into work you know you really run the risk of, of burning yourself out quickly and heaven forbid that happened to me because that would be the saddest thing ever. But, um, I definitely want to be cognizant of that too. But I mean, what better way to grow a brand and a product than to have people who are 110% behind it,
0: you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say sets trails off road apart from like Onyx or Gaia or things like that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so (laughs) funny
1: enough, I mean, like I said, Trails Off-Road has been around as a um, web presence since Mm -hmm. about 2013. And really what sets us apart, to keep taking dog toys away, (laughs) 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 sorry. What sets Trails Off-Road apart more than anything is the fact that our data, and when I say data, I mean all of our data, our tracks, our details, our photos, our everything is all proprietary Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't crowdsource and so really what that comes down to is our founder Todd has somehow found a way to kind of wrangle cats and uh, all of our trail guides that we create are created in house by uh, authors or writers, whatever you would like to call them, but they are by people who work for trails off road in multiple capacities. But they actually go out and physically run the trail, create the GPX track, take the photos, take the video, write up the trail guide. So it's not crowdsourced data from our users. We don't actually allow our users to submit their own tracks or anything like that. Uh, so we can really focus hardcore on quality control. Yeah. And also that makes that means that we we do have a rating system on difficulty. And I always get the question, okay, well, but is that a rating system based on a Jeep Wrangler or what is that? Because that's the problem, right? Like when somebody tells you, Oh, I ran this trail and it was super easy. A guy in a Wrangler on forties is yeah, gonna going to have a be different experience. <laughs> yeah. Then some, wow. yeah, somebody wow. in their stock Chevy Silverado, who's just looking to get the kids out for a camping trip. You know, those are, two different vehicles, two different needs, two different potentially experience levels. So who do you believe at that point? And so we have a rating system that is not based on the specific vehicle that our author is driving. Instead, it's based off of a little more generic, like is this trail best suited for a two wheel drive for mm-hmm. a stock four by four, four by four, uh, four, by four with um, you know, light modifications or something more like extreme? And then also we take into account the actual obstacles on the trail. And, you know, mm-hmm. is it, um, is it rocks that are, you know, small? Is it rocks that are maybe a 12 inch height variable, that kind of stuff? We try to keep it a little more. Um,
0: the gravel versus general. dirt and things like that. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Things like that. So, cause really we want to be extreme. We want to be on the extreme side of no before you go, uh, which is, does lend itself to sometimes targeting a specific kind of outdoorsman right they're also the people who they love the adventure and they love the unknown and there's nothing wrong with that either and we actually are um the only platform that has a direct integration with gaia gps because we also knew that there's so many power users for Gaia that are like, my, my life and every trail I've ever run is in Gaia. I'm not leaving them for any reason, you know? Yeah. So uh, we do really love the Gaia team and we have a direct integration with them to where if you are uh, one of our users, then with literally the click of a button, you can send our GPX track for a trail and our waypoints to your Gaia account. So if you would like it to live in there and you'd rather use Gaia, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah, and I and I've done that as well. I recently got a trails off-road account and I've integrated those. And I love it. And and I see what you're saying. Like I do like the crowdsource information as well, but you're right. You know, one person's moderate trail can be somebody else's super hard trail or somebody else's easy trail. Like it's very hard to know exactly mm-hmm. what the standard is. And, you know, and I've gone right. on trails where people are like, oh, this is really easy. You can do it. Long as you got high clearance, you're fine. It's super easy. And then you get on there and you're like, this is not what I had yeah. in mind. <laughs> yeah. You know? and,
1: and we do allow, um, we do still allow some user input. And so with our trail guides, we obviously, we've the GPX track, but then we also have waypoints. And a waypoint is going to be something like a rock obstacle, a water crossing, a campsite, things of that nature and Mm -hmm. each waypoint then has three photos to go along with it. So when you're looking at the trails before you're even out there, we're trying to give you a really holistic view of what you're going to run into. And then we do allow, uh, trail reviews. So our users, you know, somebody goes out and runs the trail and we've had this issue in Arizona, especially with all of the monsoons and the water that really degraded some of the trails out there over the last season. Um, so you can go in and run a trail and then leave a trail review and say hey i was only able to get two miles down this trail because uh you know it there's a big washout and they can upload their own photos and then that actually sends a notification to our author letting them know and then we do expect our authors to keep their trail guides up to date because that's the other thing It can't just have somebody publish a trail guide and you know never look at it again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So then uh, we do expect our authors to keep trail guides up to date, at least seasonally, especially for like Colorado and the high country where gates close, roads close for snow, um, that kind of stuff. And also if somebody lives somewhere maybe where there's wildfires, they're going to know first if there's a fire in the area or if the Forest Service is closing gates to keep people safe uh, and all that kind of stuff. So it's very, we try to keep everything Real time, updated as much as possible, and extremely, extremely detailed.
0: Very, very cool. That's yeah. awesome. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back. And we have lots more questions to ask you. So, everybody, stay tuned. I'm Tony with Bats Off Road, and you're Joy the whole Pedder. I am. This is Team Wild Maven.
1: Hey, this is Ross Josh, Josh, Quassazaj. Hi, this is Jerry from Timber Tusk. Hi, we're Cutaway Overlay. What's up, guys? This is Oscar Mike
0: Overland.
1: Hey, I'm Matt. And I'm Kara with Ozark Overland Adventures. Hey, this is Aaron with Artemis Overland Hardware. Hey, this is Chris with Moore Expo. You're watching, you are watching.
0: and you're watching, and
1: you're watching Lady Overland Radio. Lady Overland, Overland radio. Radio.
0: You're watching, radio. Here we go. Hey girl. Hey. <laughs> hey, girl. hey. 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 <laughs>
1: hey girl hey.
0: Hey, uh... Lady Overlander Radio is brought to you by Artemis Overland Hardware, the Moore Expo and U.S. Action Tracks: Bunch of goofballs.
1: <laughs> I love it so much.:
0: Yeah, we recorded that at the Moore Expo in what was that April? Yeah, that was in April. So. Nice. We Ooh, hung yeah. out with all of our goofball friends and got those little it, snippets recorded. Little we'll <laughs> snippet. Yeah, it was a <laughs> lot of fun. So, okay, so you've been in the off-road world for a while, overlanding and off-roading and camping and all, whatever title you want to put on it. So, has it been a struggle as a female in any way to be in that world and to and even, you know, Working in that world and going out and doing things—have you found any kind of roadblocks or struggles in that?
1: Um, <clears throat> I need to think about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think, I think overall, my experience so far has been overwhelmingly positive, mm-hmm. which I'm very happy to say that. Uh, I do think that there is absolutely always room for more visibility for females in the industry. Uh, But I've been very happy to say that I have been welcomed with open arms, even when I was just kind of getting into uh, modifying my renegade, even the group that I found was actually on Facebook, it was like Jeep Renegade Owners of Colorado. And I just stumbled across them. And, you know, I had absolutely no idea. What I was doing, which even I could probably still say that now, <laughs> but uh, but even that group was overwhelmingly just so kind and so open to uh, people who were new and had questions and things like that. And I feel like that group is actually a pretty solid mix of male and female. Um, mm-hmm. And I do, I feel like I am starting to see more females working in the in the industry. Uh, what I would like to see is more visibility into that, yeah. because they yeah. are there. Like, I mean, obviously, you guys started this podcast, and, and you're trying to talk to people. Uh, we talked earlier, you know, off, off line about the She Overlands group, mm-hmm. uh, and I know that Come there in. are yeah, there's other females that are really trying to kind of put a shine a spotlight uh, on people who are participating, and I think that that's fantastic. And I'd like to see more diversity in general in the marketing of off road companies and things of that nature because women are there. Uh, it's just sometimes, sometimes I just want to be left alone too. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You know? <laughs> as much as I'm like, shine a spotlight, I'm also like, Don't talk about I'm like, no. Um... <laughs> well,
0: we're, yeah. yeah, we're almost on our year anniversary of the podcast starting. I think we started it July 9th last year. And it's just amazing to me how many women I've spoken to and met and you know, like the off-roading community or the Rebel Rally Girls or, you know, mm. overlanding people, women that are overlanding internationally, women that are overlanding by motorcycle and horseback yes. and just crazy stuff. And I had no idea, you yeah. know, and I, the reason why we started this was to highlight those women. And it's just amazing to me and awesome how many of these women we've met and and spoken to so far and there's no shortage. Like I, you know, we find new people to interview and talk to all the time and it's great. I love it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that for, for whatever reason, we have very much uh, been isolated, whether that's self-induced isolation or whether that's the industry doing it, whatever you want to say. It's still coming into any outdoor hobby for whatever reason as a female feels like I said very isolated like you're somehow the only one and that is so far from the truth mm-hmm. and so yeah I just I want to see more visibility I want to hear more people talking about it I want to see more ladies retreats and lady camp outs and things of that nature because we all go out we all go out with the boys like that mm-hmm. already happens um, but there's something really special about when you, it's it's just like when the boys go out alone and it's a boys trip like ladies need the ladies trips too. So I just want to see lots more of that. And uh, I, yeah, luckily through through social media and through working with uh, outdoor, various off-road and outdoor brands and through attending Expo and things like that, I've been very blessed to meet more ladies that are in the industry, which is super exciting. I think that probably you guys for sure need to get uh, Susan Piper of Demos on your podcast cuz she is a force to be reckoned with and she's fantastic and actually demos is now based out of uh, the Salt Lake area and she is i think a four time rebel rally competitor mm-hmm. both awesome. as a navigator and a driver and i could i could talk about her and to her forever she's <laughs> awesome and i definitely consider her a a mentor for me that i look up to so and i never would have come across Susan Uh, without social media and Overland Expo, to be
0: quite honest. So. Oh, it's definitely, yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we've had Wild Mavens. They're they're entering for the Mm -hmm. first time this year in the Rebel Rally. We've had Carrie Porter, and I think what, she's done it three or four times? Three times. Three times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, it's fantastic. Like, I love seeing it on my social media feed. I love hearing about it, and we love talking to everybody about it. You know, we had... Mischief Maker on a few weeks ago and she was badass. You we know, we love Holly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just just so cool. It's so cool to see the things that they're capable of and that they do to their rigs and you know, just really, really awesome. Yeah. So yeah. so what is your what would you say was your favorite camping trip so far and your worst? Ooh. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> no pressure. I know, gosh like
1: flipping through the catalog in the head. Right. Um, <laughs> so fav- favorite camping trip so far. I hey, would... Calm down, Tony. Yeah. Sorry. Down, Tony. No, it's true. You guys should do it. Yeah. Um, uh, or even to just cover the event or something. That'd Hell cool. yeah. That'd be really That'd be cool. fun. Yeah. I know my thoughts. Thanks. Thanks. Sorry. About. Sorry. Um, anyways. Uh, so favorite camping trip, honestly, there's probably too many, but, oh, um, so I would say short camping trip in my own rig would have been, uh, last summer I did just a four day, it was either four or five day trip up into Idaho, Mm -hmm. uh, which was the first time actually that I had ever been up into Idaho. And I ended up outside of. I think it was outside of the Haley area, maybe, um, and Sun Sun Valley, and mm-hmm. uh, camped on a lake <laughs> with with a paddleboard and the dogs. And mm-hmm. the lake that I ended up at was crystal clear. It it was really it was just crazy. I had never even seen anything like that in Colorado. In Colorado, you see like really clear alpine lakes, but this this was a sizable lake and. I mean, you could see the stones in the bottom. And then once, when I was on the paddleboard, once you couldn't see the bottom, it was just because it was too deep. Yeah, It was so beautiful, even though there were uh, wildfires going on. And so it was a little hazy, a little smoky, but that was a fantastic time. But also what really kind of got me hooked on wanting to build out a rig was a 10-day Baja trip that I went on. And yeah. (laughs) That it was over (laughs) after that trip. Um, that trip was not in my renegade, though. That trip, I I went along with someone uh in a built out Tacoma. And but I, the first three I think the first three days that we were there, uh, we were attending a Camp Forlow Baja event. Which, if you've never heard of Camp Forlow, they're a great group. I always highly suggest to them if you're wanting to go on an off-road trip in Baja, but you've never been and you uh, would like some guidance and a good group to go with, mm-hmm. I have nothing but good things to say about those people. So we went for a few days of Camp Forlo and then that was like kind of a Friday, Saturday, Sunday trip. And we um, had planned to spend the rest of the week and we just made our way from San Felipe down to uh, Bahia de Los Angeles, I think and it was, it was phenomenal. Just like cap- camping on the beach for 10 days and eating your body weight and tacos and drinking <laughs> a whole lot of beer. Like, it was really nice yeah. Sure. yeah.
0: Delicious.
1: Yeah. Yes. Sounds so, terrible. Yeah, so those two are Some my beer. favorites. For sure, yeah. Um, least favorite was probably my first trip to Uray and Telluride. Uh, with my with my renegade group that I had met, I made a very stupid mistake and was not paying attention on a trail. And I broke my drive shaft. Oh, 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 oh. And, uh, and it was I think it might have been the first trail even of the trip. And oh. so yeah, that was no fun at all. I pretty much broke my drive shaft clear off the rear dip. And um, like, it was literally, it was just my drive shaft was just dragging. (laughs) Um, So that was its own kind of experience. Luckily the people I was with were, were fantastic. Uh, I just had to ride along with the group leader for the rest of the trip. My renegade got towed from Uray to Montrose. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I did not, I did not get to drive. I'm a Jean. I did not get to drive black bear. In oh, my renegade. We took our renegades over. Well, I say we. They took their renegades over Black Bear, and um, which was incredible. But I had to spot and ride along and take pictures, which was still fun, but not the enough, same. But, yeah, yeah. And uh, and then actually, it took the dealership in Montrose, I think, just over a full month to
0: oh my get
1: gosh. everything done. And I had to go back to Denver and didn't have a vehicle and then had to get back to Montrose to pick up the Jeep as a whole thing. So that was Ah, not a good trip. Oh, (laughs) no. But it was a good learning experience for sure. Oh, man. Yeah. That's terrible. It's part of the hobby, right? Oh, Oh, it is.
0: (laughs) It's still the bad part that I don't like, especially like, especially if you're you know, even if you're doing it part time or you're not trailering it or you're doing it full time, you know, right. You're like If that's your daily driver, you know, you're really rely oh, on yeah. the vehicle. And yeah, oh, yeah. And that's
1: absolutely. That is absolutely where I'm at in life right now. I'm like, I am a single income and my my build is my daily driver. So, uh, yeah. And I as, as much as I love challenging myself, I don't really have any aspirations to be a crawler. And, uh, and I don't have the budget for it either. So,
0: (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So my next question has to do a little bit with you. I mean, you don't look like you've you're very old at all, but I'm going to ask you this anyway. So if you had a do over to do in life, what would that do over be? What would you change about your life so far? Or would you change anything? Oh gosh. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I don't know that
1: I would necessarily change anything, um, and and yeah, I'm not <laughs> I'm not that old, so. But uh, yeah, I don't know that I would necessarily change anything. Versus, you know, like if I had to give a younger self some kind of advice or something yeah. of that nature, uh, it would be more to put the self doubt on the back burner more frequently. Uh, as, as I've gotten older and I'm sure as I continue my life, uh, I have learned more and more to, to trust the gut and Uh that I am much more capable than I give myself credit for. Um, and you know, sometimes it's worth kind of tooting your own horn in that way. (laughs) So if if I had to kind of give myself advice versus changing anything, it would be more to lean into the things that you're interested in more heavily and mm-hmm. lean into those things trust yourself be willing to risk because more than likely it's gonna pay off um and also you nice. know those you're able to do those things if you put in the work to building a good support system around you as well like don't ever think that you have to be alone or that you are alone because more than likely you're not whether that's that you have supportive family or your chosen family and your friends or even if it's just the community as a whole, uh, I've found so far that if you're willing to say you need help, or if you're willing to ask the questions up front, you are actually much more supported than you think. So kind of leaning into those things would be probably what I'd change more than anything.
0: I would agree with that. What about you, Arla? Yeah. I mean, that's... I know that when I was active duty, a lot of the times, you know, when we would have to do our, our... semi-annual evaluations they would always say you need to toot your own horn because nobody else is going to toot it for you you know and that's true and you know that's one point that you made but also don't be so hard on yourself you know trust your gut try to take Mm -hmm. those chances you know that's all fantastic advice no matter what age you are because you are capable yeah exactly you're just as capable as anybody else doing whatever it is you're doing you know yeah so i mean
1: Yeah, and you're just as able to to learn anything. Yeah. Anything yep. that you don't know, but you have an interest in, do it. It doesn't matter if it's not your thing or not your hobby or if you feel like, I mean, this is leaning hard into stereotypes, right? But if you're a girly girl and you're like, no, well, you know, it's mm-hmm. not really my thing to go camping or to do whatever it is, learn survival tactics or something. So um, what? if you're curious, lean into
0: it, do it. Like, that's just, just do it. Try. That's that's the truth. You know, even with our camping retreat, we did, what was it two weekends ago? Mm -hmm. Like we had a lot of women there that, that it was a lot of firsts for them. Like the first Mm -hmm. time they've ever camped in a tent, the first time they've ever set up their own stuff, the first time they've ever cooked their own meal at camp. Right. Uh, You know, when we were doing the recovery class, the first time they've ever set up a tow, and you know, it was just really cool to see, them gain confidence and be so excited about these little milestones that they hit and stuff. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's so important if, you know, as long as you're constantly learning, constantly improving, Mm -hmm. you know, and just throwing that doubt to the side as much as possible. Yeah. I would agree with that. So, so speaking of camping, what's your favorite camp meal to prepare? What do you usually eat when you're out camping?
1: Oh, this is, this is a good one. So I'm definitely, I'm the kind of person that I will always have the freeze-dried meals just in case um, because I I swing back and forth. I'm the kind of person that watches the videos and sees the Instagrams of people <laughs> making the beautiful meals. Or- oh, yeah. And I'm like, I want to do that. And I can do that. I know I can. Um, and I'll buy – this is what's even worse. I'll buy the groceries. I'll make the plans. I'll buy the groceries. <laughs> and then sure. I get to camp and I'm like, dude, I'm so freaking tired. Like, no – no, like, mm-hmm. I just like roast a cheddar dog on the fire and like, yep. eat it in a slice of bread. Like, mm-hmm. Um, but if I am actually going to cook, one of my favorite things actually is I really like to take like a turkey kielbasa or something, some sort of like smoked sausage kind of thing that's actually already technically cooked. You just need to warm it up. So I'll do like diced kielbasa, um, peppers and onions and then I love to get those Uncle Ben's like ready rice they're meant for you to put in the microwave yeah and cook. but yeah honestly you just toss you toss the peppers and onions and kibasa in the pan and cook that up and then you toss the rice and maybe like a little bit of extra water and just let the rice like soften up mm-hmm. it's delicious and it's so quick and uh and then if I'm like really want a real meal like asparagus is always easy to cook in a yes. just in a frying pan I don't screw with potatoes anymore because I've—I never. They take forever, so I, I was don't mess gonna say with they potatoes. take a long time
0: to cook. So they take so long. So yeah, I'll
1: just do <laughs> asparagus, and then uh, at the grocery stores here, usually in the meat section, they do these pre-packaged like it's like this little tenderloin medallion wrapped in bacon. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh my god, and those are so easy <laughs> too because then it's like having like steak and asparagus at camp, and it sounds really fancy, but I'm like that was
0: that was minimal work. Sounds very so. delicious. Well, and anything wrapped in bacon is amazing anyway. Bacon, so, I mean, yeah. Yeah. You have the bacon. yeah. But I, I hate the cleanup
1: process. So if it's if I'm gonna cook, it needs to be something that can be a one pan meal mm-hmm. kind of thing. Cause I I I'm somewhat surprised I probably haven't gotten myself sick yet. Like I don't even I don't want to boil water to wash the dishes. Like yeah. I even have a jet boil, but I don't wanna touch it if I don't have to. So <laughs> I'm like if I can just wipe out the pan with like a paper towel and Golden, like, and there's a little dirt in there, but I don't care. Like, you know, yeah, my little dirt don't strengthen. Yeah. Yeah. So. uh Bats Off roast says baby new potatoes cook up faster. Oh. Baby new potatoes, which I don't even, What I don't even know what kind new of the little potatoes. Tiny, potatoes small. Yeah. The little
0: fingerling ones, like those. Yeah, those yeah like baby, yeah. You just cut them in half and fry them real Maybe fast. Even those take a minute. I mean, well, Tone yeah. now, he makes some good asparagus for sure. Arla's husband. That's Arla's husband commenting. Yeah. Make some good asparagus it's- for sure.
1: Well, and I had seen somebody, I don't know, like a YouTube video or something where, um, you know, you can take like red skin potatoes and dice them just like cube them up. Yes. And, but the key seems to be that you need to like put a little bit of water in the pan and have a lid. Mm-hmm. Yes. I you never have a lid. Even. Yeah. I never have a lid. So it's like pan fried potatoes, which just turns out to be crunchy potatoes and <laughs> well, like, raw on <laughs> the inside and crunchy on the outside. And it's, it's, it's not good. <laughs> Yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah I don't I don't do any of those and I breakfast is always um I'm that person again where I'm like I'm gonna make breakfast I'm gonna make pancakes and then I'm like girl <laughs> you're eating oatmeal yeah like I'm a oatmeal I bring pop-tarts <laughs> right <laughs> are the best like yeah I wrap, yeah. yeah and it's different if I'm with a you know if I was with a group um then it would be different. And if I was planning on sticking around, like if I was camping in one spot for the weekend, that's completely different too. It's more of a, more often than not, I am moving from camp spot to camp spot when I'm on a trip. And so, um, I just want something that's really quick and I've got other things to worry about, you know, getting back on the trail. So
0: easy to clean up and yeah, (laughs) it's true. I mean, We go back and forth. I mean, like uh, again, at the camping retreat, we all, we did potlucks. So, you know, everybody kind of made one thing and brought it over and that was so nice. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of did dishes quickly and we were camped in one spot. So, you know, it was a lot easier like than being out on the trail and moving every day and trying to come up with these amazing meals off the fly. Same.
1: Yeah. If you, if you can ever time it right. And if you, if you follow him on social media, um, one of my buddies back in Colorado Jason uh, his handles overland eats and mm-hmm. he he's not even a full-time chef and that's almost what annoys me he <laughs> I don't I think he works in like real estate or something full-time but he just has this passion for cooking and sharing it with people and I had the immense pleasure of going on a camp out with him and he will do like fire roasted butternut squash with oh, bread oh, buns, oh. and and smoked chicken wings he'll bring his like camp chef smoker out and he actually he just did a partnership with Messermeister uh, knives and stuff like he's real deal legit but he likes to do pop up um, camp outs every once in a while and stuff and he'll just post it on his Instagram and if you if you see it and if you can figure out where he is then uh, he will somewhat feed you yeah you gotta yeah yeah nice you, overland you get hooked How about yeah. that Heck yeah, His
0: food is phenomenal, but yeah, also. I had a little
1: about food. I was like, Oh, I gotta check that out. Yeah,
0: I mean, he doesn't look like he needs any help with any followers, but yeah, give him a follow and <laughs> check him out yeah. for
1: sure. Definitely do for sure.
0: So, speaking of social media, why don't you give the audience a little bit of information about how they can find you on social media?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So if you just are interested in following me personally, my handle is at little Ariana. Um, There's no meaning behind the name. It's been the same since 2012 when I joined Instagram. (laughs) So you can find me at little Ariana. Uh, That's just going to be me, my personal life, my personal travels. And then if you uh, want to find my work then that is trails off-road and it's just at trails off-road on instagram and facebook as well so uh and mo- more than likely if you send a message to trails off-road you're probably gonna end up talking to me so, wow. <laughs> that works. so yeah yep and and well oh and
0: do art and design <laughs> And so you' got some pretty messages. cool stickers and stuff going on on there,
1: yeah yeah, and I always tell people if you um if you need any help if you need help with a website with stickers with logo with photography, with whatever it may be, reach out to me. I love working with small uh outdoor and off road brands, and
0: my background is
1: working with all kinds of different brands, so if anybody ever needs help, give me a holler
0: awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ariana, for being on here tonight. We really, really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about your collies, but I saw them hopping That's around right. in the background. They were awesome. Yeah. Can you come here? Hi, baby. Quill says Aww. hello.
1: Um, Drax is busy with the ball, but <laughs> you can see them if you check out my Instagram. They're all over it.
0: Yes. So, well, thank yeah. you so much for being on the show tonight. We really enjoyed it, and we look forward to sharing a campfire with you at some point. Yep. Thanks, ladies. I'll see you on the trails. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Bye.